You're listening to the official podcast of Oasis Community Church, where everybody's welcome, nobody's perfect, and anything's possible. If you'd like to learn more about Oasis, request prayer, or get in touch with a pastor, visit our website at oasischurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. So I entitled my sermon today, The Tearful Entry. So perhaps you've heard it referred to as the triumphal entry. And it is triumphal, but it's triumphal in, in that kind of Jesus calculus. You know Jesus' calculus? The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Mm, that doesn't sound like Machiavellian prince to me. You know, keep your friends close, your enemies closer. Might makes right. Um, what are some other Machiavellian statements? Um, uh, cringe close. Sorry. Drew a blank. But Jesus' calculus is different. I'm, I was trying to figure out where did Jesus' calculus ever actually work? The first shall be last and the last shall be first. Then I was on a really crowded um, subway car on my travels recently, and I realized all of us that got on first were the last ones to get out. So apparently elevators and, and subways and trains are places where Jesus' calculus actually works. You know, the last one in is the first one out. That was funnier to me than it was to you, apparently. <laughs> but <clears throat> if we listen to what Jesus is doing today, and we're kind of remembering the season that we're in, this is the season of Lent, and Lent can be kind of somber. Lent is about kind of giving things up. Lent's about anticipating and expecting the death of Christ. And so as Christ comes to Jerusalem, he's... Um, on the Mount of Olives, and he's looking into Jerusalem, and he's praying. And according to Luke, he weeps. He cries over Jerusalem. Jerusalem, old Jerusalem. How I wish I could have gathered you like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings to protect them from an oncoming fire. But you wouldn't listen. You, You went another way. And there's a beautiful little church. It's just a small chapel. It's called the Teardrop of God, and it's kind of shaped into a teardrop. And on the western wall on the Mount of Olives, um, it's just all glass. So if you're sitting there looking at the communion table, you see out the building, and you see the panoramic of Jerusalem. And it commemorates the tears of Christ. And that's, that's something pretty ironic, really. Because we sing, and how many of you have done this before? And I, we laughed about this earlier today with some of you. If you grew up up north, you didn't have palm fronds on, on Palm Sunday, right? They weren't so readily available. I never grew up seeing palm fronds. I certainly didn't have them at church. But we would, we would make ones, right? We used plastic ones. <laughs> we used paper ones. And we would wave, we would wave the palm branches And we would say, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But realize with me, friends, that when we do that, we have to be careful and not mimic the crowd. Because when the crowd said, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the Lord, Jesus didn't say, yeah, you got that right. Like, back up, here I come. He wept. When they were shouting Hosanna, 
They weren't expecting a suffering servant who was going to save them from their sins. They were expecting an economic, a, a militant, a political leader who was going to deliver them from Rome. It is the crowd who on this Sunday shouts Hosanna when their expectations aren't met this very week. By Friday, it is the crowd who is shouting, crucify him, crucify him. And is that not exactly what we do too? We have our expectations of who God is and what God should be doing. And when God doesn't do that, we're like, I'm out. I don't even like this God. This God's not who I thought he was. And you know what? That's exactly right. This God is not who you thought he was. And so it's only a triumphal entry in the most kind of reflective way if we're understanding ultimately what Christ does and not what they're expecting. It is a tearful entry. It's a tearful entry because Jesus' response to their shouts of Hosanna are tears. And they're not tears of joy. They're tears of sorrow. They're tears of sadness that would hope that these people could see who he really is. And instead, all they can see is who they want. The question comes with our religion sometimes, are we created in the image of God? Or do we create God in our own image and expect God to behave in the ways that we would want God to behave? We want God to judge, but we want God not to judge the evil that's here. We want God to judge the evil that's out there. And we, and we start to name the things that we think God should be involved with, right? God should take care of this and God should take care of that. And yet here we are living in our own sin. Our culture is, is gripped by a worldview that is anti-God. And we see this in the deep expressions of racism, of sexism, of ableism, of nationalism. When, when the Jewish crowd was singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, the reason they waved palm branches is because the palm branch was the symbol of Jewish nationalism. When Bar Kokhba, about a hundred and so years after Jesus, there was a Jewish leader who led a revolt against Rome and he minted some new coins. And on one side of the coin, was a temple. The temple had been destroyed. So there wasn't a temple, but there was one on the coin, right? You get the idea? Like God's anointed leader would come and rebuild the temple. And on the other side of the coin, there was a palm branch. And the year that he minted was one, the year one. It was to be the first year of the kingdom of God, the first year of this new godly nation. But this, this is where the harsh reality of Lent and Palm Sunday comes full frontal facing us. That it's our expectations, just like the crowd, that need to be interrogated. It's our hopes that need to be called into question. And what this week requires of us is that we lay those things down. There's this beautiful part of this passage that's really fascinating, and it's the odd part of the story, right? And Kevin brought it up. 
Jesus tells a couple of his disciples, I want you to go into town and I want you to find a, a, a mother donkey that's tied up with her baby close by, right? A donkey and her foal. That's, that's, that language is almost lost on us, right? So a mom donkey and her little baby, and I want you to untie them and bring them to me. Origen, the Bishop of Alexandria, would say, that's the work that Christians have been doing ever since then. That disciples of Jesus go and untie people from their captivity, right? Uh, release them from their sins and enable them to come and serve Christ. That's a metaphorical reading of the text, but I really love it. Just, to, just think through that, right? That what Jesus has his followers do is go and untie others so they can come and serve Christ. That's the work of the church. And then Origen went on to say this, that when, they, when the mother donkey and the little baby donkey come to Christ, they get to serve Christ, but in serving Christ, Christ is so light that the presence of God, the Spirit of God, when God comes to us, that when God rests on us, it doesn't create a burden. When God rests on us, it creates rest. Like we actually receive rest by God resting onto us. And I think we can experience that this week. We can experience the heart of God even as we come face to face with the reality that our expectations are incongruent with what God is doing. But then we can receive these palm branches, which we handed out to you today, and we gave you some instructions about how you can fold your palm branch and how you can bend it around and bend it around. You should do one of these yourself, right? And then you tuck it in, and then you tuck it in again, and you tuck it in this way and this way, and you get this. <laughs> oh, yeah, thanks. It's like one of those cooking shows. <laughs> and here's what I've baked for you. But friends, this is what the palm branch does. The palm branch is not, hey, look how great it is that Jesus is filling our expectations. It's, hey, look how beautiful, look how wonderful that the actual coming of God can take all of our hopes, even, even our misguided ones. Even our nationalistic ones and, and the ones that would drive us away from others and want to put us above others. It can take and somehow the worst of who we are and it can fold it and bend it and shape it into an image of sacrifice which we'll celebrate on Friday together as we celebrate the death of Christ. But of course, as you know, that's not the end of the story. There is, of course, after Good Friday, Holy Saturday, and the time of silence and all the work that, that Christ is doing there. But then next Sunday, we'll come and we won't celebrate the cross, but we'll celebrate the empty tomb.
the resurrection of our Lord. And I've been saying this kind of off and on throughout the Lenten season. I said it Ash Wednesday night when we came together. But that's, that's, what, that's what Lent, leading up to Easter, is all about. Um, from ashes we have come, to ashes we, have, we shall return. But blessed be the name of the Lord. Because though we are finite, our God is infinite. And though our lives are temporary, because of Christ, we have been given everlasting lives. Lives full of joy and lives full of grace and lives full of mercy and lives marked by God's forgiveness. And this becomes now our symbol. What had been a symbol of torture and execution has become our symbol of life. But not just our old lives, our new lives. It's a really interesting calculus again. It's as though God gave us the most beautiful possible thing, which is God in the flesh. We burn it to the ground, right? We take beauty and we exchange it for ashes. But God takes ashes and he exchanges it for beauty. And that's the God we serve. So while this might be a tearful entry, it does end up in a triumphal ending. But not triumphal in the sense of just exerting force and power over evil, but in that Again, that very unique kind of Jesus way where the first shall be last and the last shall be first. It's the, not the one who kills who wins. It's the one who dies. And in his death, we all receive victory. Beauty for ashes. Anointing. This is the story of Palm Sunday. So I encourage you, friends, to use your palm branch, to fold your palm branch. And as you fold it, prayerfully consider, right, your, your thoughts and your hopes and your fears and your expectations that perhaps are unfulfilled, right? The way in which you thought Christ or God should have worked in your life, but your, your life took a left turn or an unexpected you know, an unexpected journey. And as you're folding your palm branch into a cross, be, be thoughtful of that. And then keep it. Press it. Use it as a bookmark in your Bible or another book that you're reading so that when you do open it, you'll see it. And you'll remember, right, the true message of Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. For he is the one that gives beauty for ashes. Amen. Amen. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to support us, you can do so by subscribing wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and if you want to contribute to Oasis financially, you can go to oasischurch.org. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen.